I tell legal lies. I tell legal lies. Lies, lies, legal lies. I tell legal lies. 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 Legal and welcome back to another episode of Black Law and Legal Lies, where I specialize in telling the truth. Bullshit. And some other people just be, exactly, they all about that bullshit. Anyway, follow us at Black Law Podcast on across the board. I believe we're everywhere. You know it. Like us. We need y'all to love us. And we need you guys to review us as well. Yeah, I'm, man. What's up with them reviews, man? <laughs> For real. I am Just Ann, and you can follow me at I Tell Legal Lies on Twitter. I am being joined by my co-host. I ain't being joined by nobody. I don't Dirty even know Dick how the Dan. Fuck you got here, man. And I my girl Ben Dan. AKA Dan on Drugs. You can find me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on Drugs. And I am Afro Becky. In the place to be. In the ones and threes. Yeah. And today we are going to talk about what happens when life hands you lemons. I people know what you do. S- no, people say make lemonade. We say fuck that. Nah, what you do is you cut a little hole in it. Oh, wait, you trying to fuck the lemon? Well, it's part of the blowjob. It's called a tangy blowjob. That sounds painful. For him, no nah, doubt. Nah, what you do, you cut a hole through the lemon, stick your dick through the lemon. Then it's she not a sucks. lemon. No. How small is your dick? Then she sucks the other end of it and she jerks the lemon. No. It's called I, a tangy blowjob. Honestly, you do that with a grapefruit or an orange. How small is your dick? Because a lemon is a very small thing. Right. And you place the lemon onto the shaft of your penis. All right. And so, then you place so the, un- the other end of your penis into her mouth. No, I'm just saying if the lemon, the lemon is going to forth. fit, if the lemon fits around the shaft of your penis, mm-hmm. you have a very small dick. If a lemon fits around the shaft of your penis, you have a very small penis. That right. doesn't even make sense. Yes, it does. Because you know how small do you know how small a lemon, lemon is? Yes, a lemon is about the size of a tennis ball. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. I don't know what the fuck lemons no. you be getting. No. See, that's because y'all niggas nasty. Y'all be doing nasty <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Becky, mm-hmm. would you care to tell us what you do when you get lemons? I use them to cook with. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about what we call redhibition and what other people call lemon laws. You know, that's kind of sort of not right. Okay, today I'm going to talk about <laughs> what we call redhibition and what other places call lemon laws. Now, what the fuck you talking about then? Well, when I say that's kind of sort of not right be- is because Louisiana's law encompasses something that other states' lemon laws don't you know most of the time when you hear lemon law in association with the civil law or the common law they focus on cars in louisiana our law of redhibition covers more than just cars so that's 
a difference. So that's why I said, mm, but still, yep, we could talk about it. Cool. Lemon as long laws. as we can talk about it. Lemon law. So here's my definition of a lemon law. So you go and you buy you a car, right? And in the process of buying this car, you realize your car <laughs> don't work. Man, this shit is bugging the fuck Wait, out Wait, you were going to fix it in post? Hello? I know I said that, but I have to listen to it right now. Oh, God. Man, do like everybody else do who don't give a shit about audio quality. Just don't listen to it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Wait. Did you take your medicine today? I don't be taking no. I don't be taking no. Shit. How, Sway? You ain't got the answer, Sway. Okay. All right. All right. I'm good. Are you sure? So, ladies and gentlemen, what we are talking about today is the Lemon Law, a.k.a. Red Hibition in Louisiana. And trust me, I know all about that shit. No, you don't. Shit, yes, I do. I done bought a red habited truck. I done bought a red habited house. I done bought a red habited car. I done bought a red habited MacBook. Shit, tell me I don't know about no red ambition. I know all about red ambition. You know, according to you, everything you buy is imperfect. Damn straight. And people should give you your money back. Damn straight. And that's that's part of the problem. Seriously. People don't make shit good anymore. I agree with that. Like, see these pillows right here? We just bought these pillows from uh, Big Lots the other day. And Big Lots, that's high, man, that's high price shit. And, like, threads and the, the seams was busting open, but they only had, like, two of the pillows in that color. So we had to buy the shit busting open with the uh, threads hanging out. Yeah, do you know that Big, Lo- Big Lots is discontinued in um 20,000 seasons ago? stuff it doesn't matter it's still brand new no it's not how so what they sell they sell used articles there it's stuff it's stuff that was like maybe it's three years old that's not brand new it's brand new as in it hasn't been used so the the seam should not be busting yeah but that means that it's been stored and it's been moved and just let me ask you this wrangled what what year is your vehicle whatever (laughs) okay Let me ask you again. Numerically, what <laughs> year was your vehicle made in? 2015 or 16. I'm not sure. Okay. Be that as it may. Hmm? Be that as it may. You know what? How how much, how many times has your truck been in the dealership? Twice. How many times have I done jacked up your truck and pulled some shit off and put some other shit on and some bolts and stuff? Once. Okay. That ain't a very good record. Why? I've had the thing for three years. No. Yes. Two. Okay. Wait. Two years. I've had the thing for two years Mm -hmm. and it's been in the dealership twice, but it was for lights. Okay. Do you know what Dan's dealership rule is? Fuck them. It's once you drive it off the lot, it don't go back. To the dealership. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. And seriously, I'm going to do right? an episode about that, too, about scams that these auto shops run and stuff like that. Actually, we can talk about that a little bit in here. The Mangerson something act. Mm. All right. So what exactly is the lemon law? Well, because I live in the state of Louisiana and I practice law in the state of Louisiana, I'm going to call it by our phraseology. 
by our terminology, it is retribution. And basically what it is, it's the law that protects buyers and sellers, you know, slightly from buying things that, as Dan and Beck like to say, are not well-constructed. They broke. So um, what retribution does legally is give people an avenue to either rescind a sale or to get some of their money back for the sale of something that has what the law terms a retributory defect. Because, you know, there's something in the law we have caveat emptor. By oh, I know what that means. What? I know what that means. That means down with the king or buyer beware. Exactly. So, which is the truth? Most of the time, well, yeah, about 99% of the time, when we purchase things, we purchase them as is. Mm. You know, be it a car. and, and with Well, they car- come with warranties, though. Well, new cars do. Used cars do, too. If it's within the manufacturer's warranty or if you buy them. Mm-hmm. Or if the dealer's feeling generous and they they let you have shit. If they let you have it, you don't want to buy that car. <laughs> Man, that's some shit like my boy uh Keith, right? This dude, he goes to Best Buy, right? And he'll pick up a TV, he'll go to the front. And you know, when you at the register at Best Buy, they be like, uh You want the extended Do you want to buy the extended warranty? This dude will be like Wait, so what are you trying to tell me? Do I need to put this back? Is this going to break? <laughs> and then people like, no, no, no. They're like required to try to upsell you that shit. But right. okay, so the types of defects we're talking about here, what what would fall under these types of defects? Because I know there's a, a a rule that a lot of people use three times for the same repair. Well, that is, as far as the common law is concerned, And it's crazy because there's not like a lot of consistency across the board. You know, every state has their version of a lemon law and what they actually put in their laws as well as about providing the chance to repair. There's really not like a set number. It's the reasonableness is what a lot of the law says. It's reasonable, you know, like, would it be reasonable for you to continue to go back five times or 10 times? You know, like what is reasonable considering, but for Louisiana, as far as retribution goes or lemon law, there's like a, there are certain things that you have to do. And it's that first step is pretty common amongst all the States. You know, you have to give them a chance to repair. I'd be like, fuck that. Get my money back. Right. See, but that's where a lot of people get tripped up. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to give them a chance to repair, depending on the severity of the defect. But as far as the um these defects that we're talking about, let me give you some insight. So this is what this is what in the state of Louisiana, there are certain conditions that have to be met before you can file a redhibition reti- suit. Mm-hmm. or a retributory suit. So mm-hmm. you have to give the seller a reasonable opportunity to repair the product, right? What if the seller can't? What? Because I'm assuming this applies to private sales as well. Right. 
So they would have to and pay somebody else to fix your shit. Right. They okay. ba- they basically have to give you the uh, they you have to give them the opportunity to fix it. Okay. And in the state of Louisiana, retribution applies to anything that you buy. Houses, Damn. cars. Man, I can't wait till we get into houses. <laughs> houses. <laughs> can't wait. And um, anything anything that you Shoes? purchase. Yeah. I mean, anything that you buy. A MacBook Pro? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the defect in the product, product must be hidden. And that is not apparent at the time of the sale. So honestly, if you see something wrong with it and it's blatantly wrong and you purchase it. That's and, on you. Right. It's like you can't come back and be like. Wait, so you're telling me that my pillow does not have a retributory <laughs> defect because the seam was busted okay, open. And you saw the seam that the seam was busted open. You knew I, you had I, knowledge. I ain't see it till I got home, though. <laughs> see, I ain't see it till I got but home. But it was readily seeable. You could have observed this. I don't inspect pillows. That yeah, my see, thing. That, that's your problem. So, of course, the defect must have existed at the time of the sale. And um, actually, there's a presumption in the law, now that I'm saying at the time of sale, that if something actually um, presents itself within three days after the sale, it's presumed to have been present. At the time of sale. So if I drive off the lot and two days later, my transmission just breaks. Yep. They would consider that as being present at the time of sale. But that's not the same in all states. It's the same. It's This is Louisiana law. And mm-hmm. no, it's not going to be the same in all states. So gotcha. I would caution you because, as I said, I'm speaking purely from a Louisiana perspective. Look it up. You know, that's some sad shit, though, that Louisiana has these buyer protection laws because Louisiana does everything else as backwards. <laughs> Imagine what had to have happened for them to say we need to <laughs> put these laws into place. huh? Mm-hmm. All right. So as with a lot of things, they, there is a period, a statutory limitation. So the suit has to be instituted within a year from the date of the sale of the defective product. Except where a pet store is involved. What? Because guess what? Dogs could be retributory as well. Dogs and cats, pets. Any? I told you anything, anything that you buy. That you buy, huh? Any, so you'd be like, "Bitch, you broke my bitch." <laughs> <laughs> right. So, except in the um, case where a pet store is involved, in which case action has to be taken within sixty days of the purchase. So, you know, wait, so what if you get a mentally ill dog? (laughs) So 90 days in, you can't take it back and be like, this bitch broke. Yeah, you know, man, you can't do that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna buy a dog and I'm gonna take it back and be like, this dog mentally ill, man. I need my money back. So, um, all right. So, if the seller is attempted to repair the defective product and failed, the action has to be instituted within a year of the date of the last attempt to correct the defect. So, you know, you ha- even though the law says that you have a year from the date of sale, if the seller has acknowledged the defect and has been trying to fix it, mm-hmm. that time, that year starts after the last attempt to fix. Right. Such as with a MacBook Pro. That they fixed like two years ago. Right. And then something else. And then something else. Right. And something else. So, All right. 
So one, one last thing. I'm going back to what I said. Uh-huh. If you knew at the time of the sale, well, if the seller knew at the time of the sale, but sold the product anyway, the action to recover is available from one year past the date that the from buyer the actually discovers. Right. Right. So if I buy something from you, let's say I buy a car from you, two years later, I find out that there was some janky ass shade tree mechanic work done to it that was improperly done. Mm. Even though it was two years later, I still have a year from that day, two years later, that to you discover. sue your ass. Yeah, but the problem is I would actually prevail because my janky ass shade tree mechanic is called Dan on Drugs. So- any shade, any any time that I need work on my car that I don't take it to the dealer for, I take it to Dan's Shade Tree Mechanics. And that's exactly why I would not <laughs> buy a mm. damn uh, you know, no, I wouldn't buy a car from her ass. Oh yeah. Oh, because you worked on it. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm surprised your 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 daddy truck's still on the road. Because I remember no bullshit. I pulled the um wheels off right. It was a basic brake job. So I'm like, let me throw some pads. I started looking at the rotors. I'm like, damn, these rotors fucked up. <laughs> Might as well replace the rotors. Went and got the rotors, right? So I pulled the calipers off, and I noticed the calipers was missing a guide pin. Both of them. So I'm like, uh, who the last person worked on this truck? Psh, I don't know. My daddy is. Somebody work on it. I don't know. Like, you need to ask them for them guide pins. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, those parts, you need them. So, so they probably thought there was some just extra screws left over after the job. Yeah, I, I did that on my first break job with guy pins, too. I tossed them. I'm like, Psh. and my boy O was hammering his damn, uh, no, I threw the clips out. He was hammering the guy pins in for like probably about <laughs> a year and a half. And I ain't never told him. I'm just like, man, I don't know, man. That shit look broke to me, man. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, like one of the things I wanted to point out, though, is. I I grew up working on cars, know my way around cars pretty well, and know my way around auto shops pretty well, right? So the way most auto warranties work is the dealer repairs or replaces the parts and then invoices the manufacturer. So in my case, if I'm driving around in a Cadillac Escalade, that's a General Motors product, so my alternator keeps dying on me. It's under warranty. Dealership replaces it and then turns around and bills the manufacturer. Of course, it's at a discounted rate. But when with that being the case, right, Mm -hmm. I would imagine that in most cases they will the dealerships will continue to try to repair the car and reject any request to have your purchase refunded or some of your money refunded to you because it honestly it doesn't cost the dealership anything and actually. They make money doing warranty, uh, warranty repairs. So if that's the case, I mean, where do you go from there? If, like I done been in here four times about my damn alternator dying. This is the fifth alternator you put in my truck within six months. That's when you, that's when you sue. Okay. Now we often also talk about the. Remember we had an episode about the justice gap. Mm-hmm. Our people and common people, poor people who can't afford legal representation, Mm -hmm. what do they do? Okay, so... Small claims, right? Can can be if it's under $3,000. I thought it was five. Depending. Uh Uh-huh. So, can be. You can do it yourself. Pro se. 
if if you have enough wherewithal, you know, if you're a reader and you think you can navigate, you can you can try to do this yourself. No such thing as being broke and a reader. That's a lie. Many many people who are broke, the library is their friend. I'm broke. I can't read. We know, Cletus. The hell. These damn lights keep cutting on outside. Something. Because the cat. Oh, it was a cat? Yep. We was out there the other night. We had the little fire pit going, and we were chilling. I was telling my campfire stories. Oh, Lord. And lo and behold, four raccoons and a possum. Like, it was a family <laughs> affair, man. Like, wait, it was the family and the cousin. Yeah. The cousin possum. Yeah, you remember um <laughs> the, the Disney movie Robin Hood? Mm-hmm. And they had all them little animals <laughs> You know, coming out, just parading to get, that's what it was like that in the That shit backyard. was a damn parade. Because I'm like, first I'm like, I ain't worried. That's just a raccoon. Then you hear some more scurrying and the fence shaking. I said, holy shit. Oh, it's two. It's two raccoons. Then Becky said, no, it's three. And then the fat, slow one at the end came like, nah, nigga, it's four. And then the possum came running across the yard. So the possum climbed up on the fence. Walk down the fence and he just stick his head up and he was just watching us over the fence. I'm like, man, there's some Dr. Doolittle ass <laughs> shit out here, man. So anyway, oh, uh, okay, back to being um poor. Okay, you can't you can't afford an attorney. Right. So and let's say you you don't plans, have the wherewithal to And if you do and like I said, pro say you can represent yourself, but sometimes that's a trap. Or there are law clinics, law schools have clinics law clinics that you can go this is how lawyers learn through practice so that and then there are also outside of law clinics in louisiana we have something called poverty law clinic and they are basically for low-income people to go and be provided legal assistance and in the meantime, you can't get around because your car all Bro, fucked up. So and now you bumming rides or you catching Uber or you catching the bus. Spending more money. Right. And then in the end, though, there may be a solution for that because the law actually provides in certain circumstances for legal fees for and for other fees associated with you going through with this lawsuit. Yeah. Hmm. So, well, ballpark, right? Off the top of your head, let's say with you, how much would getting representation for a retribution or a lemon law claim cost? All right. So, because I believe in helping the people. Nah, yep. we don't believe in helping people. We want <laughs> no pro bono. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I wasn't going to say free. I, a lot of the work that I do, I do on a sliding scale. No joke. If I. Pretty much, you know, I'm like Robin Hood. I rob from the rich. I steal from the right. So if I know that you have the funds, I will charge you my regular rate. I'm broke. I'm broke. I just let y'all know now. I'm broke. (laughs) If I know that you have a lack of funds, I do things at a at a cut rate. So say my hourly rate is like 150 to 250 dollars an hour. If that's a damn hundred dollar difference. Okay, I mean, depending on what's going on, what what you got going on, you know. Wait, so your hourly rate is your regular hourly rate is sliding too? No, it is based on what your legal problem is. Mm. 
That sounds like that some bullshit to me too. No, so if say say it's that. So if you come to me, I might and and I know that you lack funds, I might charge you twenty five dollars an hour, or I might do it pro bono. That's still too high. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime free is high, that's a, that's something because you know filing fees, just just court costs that can run you five hundred dollars. So you charging someone twenty five dollars an hour and you paying the rest. I'm charging them $25 an hour. I am going to file the paperwork, charge them $25 an hour. Or in a case like this, I would probably take it on contingency. So so you can get 33% 33 of shit. 33 and a third. 33 and a third, whatever I recover. Man. All right. Now. And Lord willing, it's enough to cover the repair of it for that car. Yeah, that, that's actually what I was going to say, too, is, all right, let's say you do go to court and you win, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I, I think we have a mutual friend who had a similar situation. They bought a vehicle that was mm-hmm. damaged previously, like an accident or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Wasn't reported. She found out. They basically Frankenstein the car. Yeah, I think she tried to get warranty work done, but they said, no, this car, we can't warrant this car. Couldn't work on it because this this thing has been bondoed and and this Mm -hmm. and that. And like the hood on the car wasn't the hood that's supposed to be on the car. Like when I tell you they Frankenstein this car, they they Frankenstein this car. The dealership Frankenstein the car. They put it together. But then they sold it at like usually when you see stuff like that with cars that have been in accidents or salvaged, you get a significant discount. Mm-hmm. They sold that shit to her like that shit was like, psh, yep, it only had twenty thousand miles. Huh? Like it was like it was on the up and up. Like this thing is the sleekest of the sleek you ever gonna find, and it was sleek because it was bubblegum this thing was patched and bonded to within an inch of his life man so she ended up um consulting i'm assuming with you mm-hmm. and y'all sent some paperwork sent some letters I, and I, some stuff we sent i sent a demand letter and i believe didn't you ask did you file suit mm-hmm now, had, to, had to wind up doing it. Explain to the people who you sued because you didn't only sue the dealership. Right. I sued the dealership. I sued their insurance company. And the I, dealership's insurance company. Right. Hmm. Elaborate. Well, you know, most businesses, if they are smart, they have policies for situations like this. You know, they have maybe errors and omissions policies. They have... um you know, business interruption policies, even though this wouldn't be an, a business interruption, I'm just naming some policies, insurance policies that businesses who are smart would have. Mm-hmm. So they had, I through my research, I found out that they had insurance mm-hmm. that would cover something like this. Mm-hmm. So you use like LexisNexis or something yeah, like that. You know, huh? y- yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go looking for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to go you got to go look up some shit. So I look and I see and I'm like, okay, that's what's up. You know, you want to hit the people that have the deep pockets. So sued. I sued the. Didn't you sue the bank too? I sued the business. Wait, I sued the business. I sued the owner in his individual capacity. Of I sued the business. Okay. I sued the insurance company and I sued the finance company. 
Hmm. And why the finance company? Just because I felt like it. But (laughs) (laughs) in all honesty, because I felt because I was pretty much like, I'm going to throw everybody in it and let them fight their way out. Mm -hmm. You know, like, but I sued the finance company because I was, you know, where my head was with this. And just to let you know, this is my very first retribution suit. So where I was going with this, where my head went was, you know how a bank won't let you buy, won't won't let you buy a house if it's not if up to the value, ins- right? Uh-huh. If if it's not up to a value, if they inspect it and they find something that's off, they won't give you a mortgage. And it was like, hmm, what if these bastards knew? Because this was a finance company that the guy who owned the the um shop was like the the person who owned the finance company was like related to him. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So we found a little bit of a conflict of interest there. So I'm like, so what if they knew this mess? And so let's let. So I threw everybody in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Like fight y'all way out. Tell me why y'all shouldn't be a part of this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So did they? Did did this ever make it to court? Never went. Never made it to court. In the end, the insurance company paid us. Now, was this dealership, was it a major dealership or was it a mom and pop dealership? It was a mom and pop. Yeah. Well, let me say it was a semi mom and pop. It was actually. Are we like a deal in Doug's type of uh, situation? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was an uh-huh. off brand dealership that has a lot of a big presence in the vicinity. Yeah. Okay. So back home in DC, that would be the equivalent of an Eastern Motors with your jobs, your credit <laughs> at Eastern Motors. Oh, really? Mm, I'm gonna have to play that commercial. Yeah, you have to put it in here, honey. Motors, put you in a car today. Let Eastern Motors finance it all the way. That shit, yeah. Um. So anyway, how'd your client, our mutual friend, make out? Full refund, partial, or just the um? So court costs, attorneys' fees, and reduction in price, and and that's the some of the options. When you're dealing with a retributory suit, you can either get rescind rescission of the sale mm-hmm. or reduction in price. Mm-hmm. And as I said, there's a provision for attorney's fees, court costs, and other costs associated with trying to make the thing that you purchased usable. So, you know, something that I never um I never discussed when we started on the whole retribution is what makes a retributory defect a defect. So... Oh, I can tell you. Tell me. It makes the shit not work the way it's supposed to work. You're you're kind of sort of almost right. So or, or it make it to where when you go to sell the shit, you can't get what the money is worth for said shit that you selling. <laughs> so that in layman's terms, you are absolutely mm-hmm. right. So... In legalese, the defects make the property useless, mm-hmm. 
or they make the property inconvenient to use due to the need to make repairs. Like my house. <laughs> oh, wait, it's inconvenient to use? <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Man, matter of fact, let, let's get into houses too. So there is such thing as a lemon house. As I said at the top of the hour, yes. anything you buy, right? In Louisiana. In Louisiana, Redhibition covers so, anything you buy. When we purchased our home, mm-hmm. We had to sign a waiver of retribution. So I protested and detested. I protested and detested the entire process. But mm-hmm. this was one of the things only because I knew what retribution was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, why would you waive your right to retribution? And according to the uh, real estate agent, every home that's sold in Louisiana, sands a private seller, um, there is a waiver of retribution to is. cover the previous homeowner's ass. Mm-hmm. And basically, you foot the bill when you get into the house and you rip out the wall and find dead cats in your wall. <laughs> now, honestly, even though you sign a waiver of retribution, that does not mean that you're done. You, can, you may still be able to file a retribution suit. In spite of, because if you can show or you can prove that the seller knew about the retributory defect when they sold it and they did not inform, then in spite of the fact that you signed this waiver, you can still fall suit. Okay. So the owner should, the previous owner should have known that there was dead cats in the wall rotting and then their blood juices rotted out my studs. (laughs) And I had to have all the studs in the wall replaced. Previous owners should have knew it because they should have smelt it instead of lighting all them damn candles during the open house and the viewing. Exactly right. And so, so like, like I was saying about into the mic about the seller actually having knowledge that also changes the options that are open to you as well. So you got rescind. You can still do a rescission, right? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You can do anything you want. No, that a lot of the law, as far as going to court and what can be sued upon this and that, it's all fact-driven. So in this case, in these cases in particular, everything is Mm fact-driven. So if they knew, see, so as far as houses are concerned, there's a, in Louisiana, there's a lot, there's a large body of cases involving retribution for houses. And some of the things that the law has found to be retributory are crack slab. Hmm. You know, that that's that's a retributory defect. Um even if the owner didn't know about it. Right. Because it's something that could have been discoverable. It's something if it's something that the owner should have known about. Okay. You know, it, it's something it's something that could be discoverable because when your your slab is cracked, mm-hmm. you will know it. You have certain symptoms, right? Right. You will you will know it. I have no knowledge <laughs> of such. Nah, but okay. Um, with the with the cracked slab, right? Mm-hmm. Now here's this is one of the problems I have. Um, let's okay. So some of the symptoms of a cracked slab will be your floors sinking or shifting in certain areas, sheetrock cracking, door jams sticking, windows not being able to open and close freely, 
Yes, I know all these things, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there are there's a lot of patchwork you can do without actually having the slab repaired. So you can get some self-leveling floor compound. Boom, put that on the floor. That'll level out the floor. Right. And but that right there screams for knowledge. And re- it, wait, if wait, wait. But let me finish. Okay, so you level out the floor with some self-leveling compound. You patch the sheetrock with some mud. You uh, re-shim the door so they all open and close. Same with the windows, right? Mm-hmm. New person moves in, buy the house. They don't find out. I mean, your slab's going to continue to shift and shit because it is cracked. So five years later, they find the cracked slab, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how can they prove that this slab did not crack while they were there? Because by this time, all the patchwork is going to look like the original they, work. They did it. So once again fact driven so the the people who did this work like the owner did all this work on his own right mm-hmm. so he had to purchase self-leveling compound right mm-hmm. so let's try to go back to see the type of work that this person did and then let's let's look at credit card purchases and see during you know within the window of the time that this person sold to me all right, this person was going back and forth to Home Depot or to Lowe's or to, to wherever. And let's go try to subpoena records from Lowe's to see exactly what he purchased. See, I'm talking about let let that's why this may lead to large sums of money because you have to find you have there are things that you have to find out. Mm-hmm. And in research costs money. Man, that seemed like you chasing a ghost right there trying to go to um Home Depot and Lowe's and whatnot, because <laughs> let me tell y'all, let me not tell y'all, because I had no knowledge <laughs> of anything wrong with my home. All right. So something else that you will find interesting that could be a retributory defect is an improperly installed roof. Hmm. Okay. I'm listening. You, you've intrigued me. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. There are cases because improperly installed roofs lead to roofs leaks which lead to termites maybe termites sheet rock repair you know exactly oh and my favorite man i never knew how important a roof was i mean everyone we all use the term roof over your head roof over your head right you don't realize how important a properly installed roof is until you live in a hurricane prone area. Cause man, you get a category two, <laughs> that shit will peel that shit back like a Campbell soup can. And you be looking at your neighbor's houses <laughs> like, wow, that houses look straight and I ain't got no damn roof. Exactly right. So improperly. And believe it or not, this is, this is the one that I found really interesting. Um, a chronic reoccurring odor hmm. you know you mentioned cats in the walls mm-hmm. you know dead things so that there are cases where that has been found to be a retributory defect hmm. in in a home so um i, I just want to know like how you prove an odor you use your nose <laughs> but that can be relative like just because you think it's offensive Somebody else might not. Or think that it's not as offensive or something of that nature. Well, I'm saying you're you're the person who bought it and, mm-hmm. and you're you're the um the judge of whether or not this is offensive or not. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, but then it's up to you to prove to the trier fact that, hey, don't you find this as offensive? Right. Like everybody knows Limburger cheese is stinky, but some people like that stinky smell. (laughs) They need to come by this house, (laughs) You know? (laughs) So. Mm -hmm. So ladies and gentlemen, um, all purchases in Louisiana are covered by Louisiana's redhibition statutes, meaning our lemon law is probably better than y'all's because this shit cut everything, bro. It does, but please beware of waivers. Now, in Louisiana, it is standard to have a waiver of redhibition in purchasing homes. It's not standard when you're purchasing a car. A laptop computer. Hey, bro, I need you to sign (laughs) this right quick. Right, it's not standard in those things, but it could be in there. And that's why I caution people all the time, read before you sign. Yes, do that. And if you don't understand what you're signing, do not ask the person Mm -hmm. that handed you the paper to sign to explain it to you. Please do not do that. Ask an attorney, 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 attorney. My mom was driving me to a friend's house when her defibrillator started shocking her repeatedly every few seconds. She thought it was just doing its job until the shocking continued, where it surpassed 40 shocks at 600 volts. This led to severe heart damage and required multiple open heart surgeries to fix. It turned out that the wires that connected to her box malfunctioned and were sending signals that her heartbeat was off. It could be some form of PTSD I suffered from seeing my mother nearly die in my arms, but her defibrillator almost triggered again today and it brought back those memories. She told me that her and my dad tried to pinpoint who was responsible, the company who made the wires, the defibrillator company, or the doctors, because all of the doctors deny responsibility. Is there anything that we can do? Ooh, let me answer this. Mm -hmm. Sue them all. Ooh. Boy, you be learning. Exactly. Mm. <clears throat> Sue everybody for everything. Exactly what we said when I was discussing my first retribution case. Throw everybody in the pot if and let them let them fight their way out. And if a fire truck showed up, ambulance showed up, sue, sue them too. too. <laughs> On lookers, sue them. <laughs> and actually, you can actually sue people. Like, this is something Paul wanted to talk about in a future episode, but... um. There's a law that covers first responders touching uh, victims of accidents and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. If you see somebody fall and you try to help them up, right, and there's some permanent damage incurred, whether from the fall or not, they could sue you for that shit. They there's can. a case where some guy saved a woman's life. Mm-hmm. She was in a wreck in a car, saved her life. And then got sued. Got Absolutely. sued and lost and she got like all kinds of money i'm like right but that's fucked up there are laws that that actually cover you as well they are called um good samaritan good samaritan right Uh uh-uh they ain't covered his dude i know but it all depends it all depends on how the law in your state works there are good samaritan laws are meant to cover people like this guy and they are they a lot of states enacted those laws because of situations like that. Because people, and it started out with somebody who rescued a person from choking, performed the Heimlich maneuver. And as they were performing the Heimlich maneuver, they broke some ribs. Mm. 
So say saved this man's life, and then the man turned around and sued him for the broken ribs. Well, that's a future episode, huh? That is. We'll get Paul in on that. But just word of advice. If you see somebody in the state of Virginia who said, I've fallen and I can't get up, you'd be like, bitch, you on your own because I ain't nothing I could do for you, bro. So this has that's cold. They ain't cold, man. This has been another episode of Black Law and Legalized. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and rate. You can follow us on all platforms at Black Law Podcast. Once again, I am Dan, aka Dan on Drugs. You can find me on IG and Twitter at I am Dan on Drugs. And twice a month, you can catch me over at A Few Screws Loose, the podcast. He has more than a few, though. Just this two. has been another adventure with Afro Becky. <laughs> yeah, and you can follow me at I Tell Legal Lies on Twitter. And when she says you can follow me, she means you can still follow me. What's your name? They know who the hell I am. See, nobody hey. sounds like me on this show. Sup me. That's your problem. Peace out. <laughs>